Welcome to Let's Get Bitchin', your go-to spot for movie wrap-ups, media reviews, and everything you didn't ask for but are getting anyway. What are you waiting for? Let's Get Bitchin'. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Let's Get Bitchin'. As always, this is your host, Genesee Gabrielle, and this week, as always, I have a very extra special guest host. My best friend, Taylor, is with us today. Hi, Taylor. Hello. Um... I kind of can't believe I haven't had you on yet. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that's taken me this long to get on here. <laughs> I, I am surprised, though, by the diversity that I've had in guest hosts in terms of, like, I haven't had a whole lot of repeats. I've had a lot of new people coming on, which is cool. I'm kind of surprised that I like this many people and this many people like me. I'm not so much surprised by that, honestly, but that that this many people like you. I'm just surprised it took this long for me to get on here. Yeah, I think you think a little bit higher of me than I do. Yeah, this is like episode what, like 13 or something like that. So yeah, um, so I'm, okay. I feel like it should have been like top three at least, like first maybe first <laughs> people brought on. But yeah. well, I've also done quite a few episodes by myself. I've done like at least four episodes by myself. That's true. At this point, I think. That's true. Sure. This was a good. I think this was a good opportunity. Like this, this was a good setup. Yes. So that takes us to what the fuck we're talking about today. Um, we are talking about uh one of my favorite shows on Netflix. Uh, one that I talked about in my top ten shows on Netflix to binge in twenty four hours. Sex Education, and. Taylor texted me one day and was like, Genesee, you have to watch Sex Education. I was like, bitch, I've already watched it twice. Yeah. I mean, I was not surprised at all to find out that you had seen it and loved it. I mean, I, I think I was, I just finished season one and was starting season two. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I started that not thinking that I was really going to love it as much as I did. I thought it might be a funny show just to sort of pass yeah. some time. I, I just finished, I think, Cobra Kai on Netflix and mm-hmm was trying to find something to watch so it was sort of an in-between show to watch right but i found something else but then I, I just fell in love with it and ended up watching it in about two days so um i was really caught off guard but yeah texted you i thought you, I, I figured you probably had seen it but just to be safe but yeah i was not surprised at all yes and so i will give a little bit of background um for those that don't know us personally I think I've mentioned Taylor a bit on this podcast. Uh, He's my straight friend. So whenever I'm like, oh, no, I like straight people. I uh, say that I have a straight best friend. That's a joke. But by the way, everybody, I have I have straight people in my life. (laughs) That's just a joke of the, uh, you know, the token gay friend. Yes. Um, Taylor's my token straight. Um, Taylor and I have been friends for six years. 20, was it 2014, 2015, 2015. Yeah. 2015. I was Russia. You were China. Yes. So I, uh, Taylor and I both did model UN in college. Um, I did it all four years. I think you did too, right? No, I did it for all. I did it for all four years too. That's what I just said. Oh, I thought you said said I did two years. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, you were in Model UN for at least three years. I know. I I was in there for my entire, every year I was in college. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So Taylor is exactly one year older than me. Uh, He, we share a birthday, um, July 14th, for those Mm -hmm. of you wondering, send us fan mail. Yes, please Um, send us, yes. And uh, when we met, 
as he said, he was Russia and I was China, and I thought he was a real asshole. Which, okay, just as background here, then I was doing my job very well because if, yeah. I, if you thought I was a nice person and was was like this great individual, right? You wouldn't I be would, Russia. I would have been really bad at being Russia's rep. Yeah. Just, just saying. And fun fact: so Taylor's last year model UN, my third year, yes. I was the security we were on security council together i was security council for russia i was um, egypt yeah and he was egypt and everybody liked him and i was like what the fuck i'm obviously the most likable one of the two of us well, everyone hated you because everyone hated me a stone cold bitch and i'm like i mean that's i mean and that's the whole point I think. what didn't make sense was the person who hated me the most in that room was malaysia and malaysia i mean like she was molesty to me. Like she, she was, was like, oh, she was terrible. Yeah, she was absolutely it was, uh, it very inappropriate. Which, like, I'm kind of glad she didn't like me because all the people she did like, she was absolutely try- like very molesty. Um, but she hated me, and I don't know why. I think she actually most people like even fucking Ukraine. Like we, I mean, they were kind of douchey dudes, but like after everything yeah i remember them yeah after everything (laughs) we like i i was like drinking with them at the end of it and we were shooting shit because that's how model un is you know at the end of conference you're just getting drunk with everybody well taylor wasn't but i was getting drunk with everybody and hanging out the worst hangover of my life was my last year of model un and it was partially my my worst hangover because i had to work through it (laughs) I was you would have hated me Taylor you would have been so disappointed I would I got so fucked up on free night my last year we went to the Castro district and I got so fucked up and I was throwing up all morning the next day and that's the the day after free night is the longest day of conference yeah it is the longest day you didn't have me to help rein you in a little bit yeah well yeah well no because on free night you always went out with your team so I would have gone out anyway and I would have had the time of my life and I did it was so much fun. It was absolutely an experience I needed to have. And in the long run, the hangover was worth it. Did we go out with, I don't think I went out with my team on that last year. I think we sort of. I don't know. I don't remember, honestly. I, I mean, the, the, the fun of it was the actual conference itself. So the actual model you went in, that, that's where I, I mean, that's, that's where I was into it. So I, I, don't, I honestly don't remember if we, I don't, I, I don't think that that year we did really did a huge team activity. I think we did something. It was more going out for dinner, but we, we usually would always go to the wharf and that was kind of our, the Weaver States. I think, the wharf. I think your last year, I don't know if you guys went out for free night, but I think free night, I was helping my team because my team was having a really rough time that year but anywho so that is how we became best friends we bought we bonded over model un yeah and um then we bonded over birthday trips and somehow we have stuck with each other ever since um and now we're both proud dog parents and he he is getting his mpa currently he has his master's in urban and regional planning i have my master's metropolitan planning Oh, make sure I get it. Sorry, my bad. My bad. Let's be real. I mean, like when it comes to city planning programs, they all have a different acronym. Some of it's like Master of Urban and Regional Planning. Right. I think I think the U is the only one that has the MCMP, so City and Metropolitan Planning. Yeah, and I I understand that for for planning for planning people, that's that's an important distinction. PSU's degree is in is in urban. 
Yeah, I know. It's it's across the board. We and yeah. we always make fun of the ones that have uh, urban and regional plan because it just comes out as merp. Merp, which just sounds hilarious. So it we is are hilarious. The merps, um, as opposed to the MCMPs and the MCRPs, which sounds so much cooler. Yeah, I worked in our um, graduate school office at one point, so I was responsible for um, processing all of our incoming paperwork for graduate students. And I remember, yes. Yeah, part of my job was coding people's degrees, and um, so and MERPs were the funnest because their acronym, uh, the the actual master acronym is MERP, right? Mm-hmm. But their um, department acronym is ERP. For yeah, just ERP. For urban, so their their degree code was Merp Erp. Yeah, <laughs> and I I always I always loved getting the Merps because it was just so much fun to type in. Yeah, you'd <sighs> think that like for a degree that's a whole thing is about like like future thought and planning, they would pick a better acronym. But maybe they planned that. Maybe they did it on maybe, purpose. Maybe it was an intentional thing. I don't know. I, I yeah. So yeah, MCMP. Right. I, I already got that one. Work as work as as a city planner now. Yeah. Um, and then I'm getting my MPA as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, and we had very similar degrees in undergrad as well. So that's always been fun. Um, of course, now he's the cool city planner among us and I'm the edgy entrepreneur. Yeah. I work in government. We're not entrepreneurs at all. Our job, our job is to regulate you people and that's it. <laughs> we do you people wow the entrepreneurs of the world we regulate you guys and kind of crush your style like, like, like we we keep you restrained and so i get i get all the angry phone calls from you about how i'm being like arbitrary and capricious you do i think that's where i'm a, a bit different in the entrepreneurial commun- community and i hope to one day be able to expand my services to be able to help more maybe entrepreneurs, but I want to be working more with um, cities and stuff like that. Um, and my, I studied nonprofits, so I love that. But I've always loved uh, public sector work. I think it's incredibly important. I think there's a lot of work to be done in the sector, um, not just from like a perspective of like there are things to get done, but I think there's, there's a lot of room for growth in the way that we approach uh, public services. No and, disagreement in that case. I would, I would love to see some, I mean, we already had a huge, I mean, you, you know this, we had the huge reform movement after the assassination of Garfield, but I mean, that, but that's kind of the only major, like, we've had some incremental reforms, but that was sort of the last major reform movement we had in public service and in the public sector was there, was moving away from that patronage to the merit system. But let's be real, I mean, if, if, if the last few years have taught us anything, government, public sector services, we need some. We need some uh, some changes in there. It's it, it's obviously not working for for everybody. Absolutely. Let's even the majority, but absolutely. So, yeah. so and I at some point we should probably come on the podcast to talk about that. Yes, but that's 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 going to be way way more depressing than this. That thing. is another conversation for another time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's me and Taylor. Uh, we've been very very good best friends for a long time, and um. A lot of our interests are similar and a lot of them differ. And I think that's what makes us a lot of fun. We're able to add a lot of things to the other. And one of those things is TV shows. Taylor and I often have very different tastes in TV shows. Well, not entirely. Taylor has very different tastes in TV shows than I do in that I watch a lot of the things that Taylor watches 
eventually at some point but taylor doesn't wa- watch a lot of the things that i watch i think i have that's, a bigger net that, that's fair that's yeah. that'd be fair i mean yeah you like or, the comedy get obsessed with certain things and like follow like like for instance like like we were discussing before you got on your parks and rec and Grey's anatomy i mean <laughs> it's like i love like Grey's anatomy up until when they killed off mcdreamy yeah. And then after that, I sort of fell off. So I watched like one more season and I kind of just gave up with Heartbreak. But you kept it up. And then Parks and Rec, I think I finished that one. And then you you kind of fell out of love with it towards the end. I have not fallen out of love with Parks and Rec. I love Parks and Rec. As someone who is trained in public service, because I can't, I, I, saying that I am a public servant is weird because I don't work in a public se- sector institution, but I have a deep passion for public service. Um, I love that show. It's wonderful. It gets so many things about my personality. I wish I had gone into city work so that I could be Leslie Nope, because that would make so much sense. There's so many ways that I'm like Leslie Nope, but it just wasn't my path. It just hits so close to home sometimes. <laughs> it does. Especially the first season, when, first and second season, when they had Mark Brandano's city planner on there. Yes. About his, his, his like disenchantment with the, with the public process. And how he went, he went, he went to school. Like this, might, again, this might, I, I know we're talking about sex education on here, right? <laughs> but let's let's just be let's just be real here. Like when he, when he's talking to Leslie at the bar about how he went to school and thought he would be planning these beautiful public spaces mm-hmm. and city squares, and and then and he and one of his greatest achievements is that he managed to get the the height of a speed bump reduced by about three inches <laughs> and that was like the like one of the highlights of his career yeah it crushed me and hit so close to home <laughs> that I almost started crying on the couch so obviously oversimplification but that, that show could hit a little too close to home sometimes yeah. on my end but also they but they and they did a really good job when, when they were like planning they were talking to like actual city officials to branch it out because but they do a really good job of mm-hmm capturing the the hilarity and intricacies of yeah the local government sector absolutely yes and i have not finished it but it's not for lack of love it is just because it's not it doesn't fit my mood right now i'm in a different yeah. mood i need a bit more drama than parks and rec can offer me well we have i have it scheduled for us when we visit next <laughs> time so um but a show that we both really got into yes it's sex ed, as we as we mentioned already. Yes. And so that is what we're going to discuss today. Um, we're as as we do with the TV show and the movie episodes of the podcast. We're going to give you a quick spoiler free synopsis of the show. We'll give our fucks to give rating, and then we'll give you a warning when we get into spoilers, and then we'll get into the nitty gritty of it all. Um, so sex education it takes place in England, right? Correct. Um. And it follows uh, this, it follows high school students. And the main character is a young guy who is the son of a sex therapist, right? And so I, when I very first saw the show and I didn't watch the trailer or anything, I just saw sex education. I thought that the show was going to be about a sex education class, but it's not. It is more so about the, these kids trying to figure out sex and sexuality and sexual experience when the guidance that they should be having from um you know formal education in their in their sex ed in school and from their parents is often lacking um so what 
Very much so. Yes. And so uh, Otis, the main character, um, the son of the sex therapist, basically takes tools that he's learned from being the son of a sex therapist and is offering um, students at his school sex advice. Um, And he befriends this young girl who um, basically makes it a business with him. And she's like, I'll be the the scheduler and the finance, like, we'll all collect the money and whatnot and we'll split the proceeds and that'll be that. Yes. And a good point. And something I need to mention is the fact that Otis is, uh, he himself is, is pretty repressed. He is. Uh, sexually as well. So it, it makes, yeah. it, adds, it adds a whole other dynamic to the fact yeah. that he is offering sex advice. Yeah. When he, he himself oh. is very, I think repressed is a good way to put it, kind of confused about his own sex life. For good Um, reason. And that's later in the episode. Yes, (laughs) that is is when we get into spoilers. There's there's good reasons for his repression. Yes. And one of the reasons I really wanted to do a whole episode on this show is because it does a wonderful job of... um, having representation in different types of characters uh, which is something that we talk about a lot on this podcast I am it is really important to me to watch things that are representative of the world around me right so um, when there are not like main characters of color when there are not main characters from other countries when there are not main characters who are queer I or, or even like relevant side characters I I kind of get confused because I'm like where the fuck are they (laughs) you know I mean I grew up in Southern California where we have a very large Mexican population so for me if you're set in certain places where they would naturally have a lot of certain immigrant populations and it's like you're saying you're in Los Angeles but it's all white kids like where the fuck where the fuck is everyone else we know there are black kids we know that they're Mexican kids where are they and they're not all straight either, of course. So they're like, not all straight. So if, if they do have, have some element of color in the mix, then they're they're also all straight. Or maybe there's one person who one person who's gay, and that's it. And there's no like spectrum right. along those lines. Like that's that's their equivalent of being inclusive. Is they have one gay person, right? Uh, and it's normally very tokenized, very stereotyped. Um, yeah. And sex education is not like that at all. No, they have so much racial diversity ethnic diversity, sexuality representation. I think that there could be better, um, because this show does naturally talk about a lot of queer issues, um, I think there could be more uh, gender representation because right now I think everybody is cisgender. Yeah, I mean, Eric, I mean, he's someone who, he, he dresses in drag, but I, I don't think he really that identifies. Is, yeah, he doesn't, he yeah. doesn't identify as, as being, yeah. uh, he's not, tra- he doesn't, at least so far. So far, so far, he, he, yeah, so far not, he hasn't really been a trans component to yeah. do uh, sex ed beyond the fact that he just, he dresses in drag, which isn't representative of that, yeah. so. Yeah, um, and I don't think that that's really a spoiler because that is something that is pretty evident from the trailer. Well, I mean, it's in the, I think it's in the trailer. Yeah, so. his his friend is, is flamboyant. Um, it's in the trailer. But yeah, so that's, it's it's a really... A really incredible show for that. I also think it's really important. Like I felt funny watching it because I was like, these. I mean, obviously the people playing them are all adults, but I felt kind of funny watching a show about teenagers having a bunch of sex and talking about sex. But I think it's so important 
for, I think it's going to be great for teenagers to watch and to be able to see the, I, I really hope that parents are letting their teenagers watch this fucking show. I hope so. Because it is, I mean, they talk about sex a lot and there's lots of cursing, but it is, it is real to the, to the teenage experience. You know, kids are thinking about these things and wondering these things and questioning these things. And this show offers so many conversations on the really hard parts of not just sex, but relationships and intimacy and what it means to connect with another person and consent. Holy fuck. The way this show talks about consent. They talk about consent and portray that so well throughout the show, which is something that is, that is a, that's a conversation that's 100% absent in, in both public education, as well as just instruction from your parents. Parents won't talk, don't tend not talk about that very much um, in the way that they should. And and it shows the degrees of consent Mm -hmm. and what that is. So I, I really appreciate that, but and by it also just explains like sex is funny and like in real life like sex if you, when you think about it it's really funny it's really confusing especially when you're first starting out I mean it is a you don't when you're when you're just starting out you don't know what you're doing I mean yeah no and and, espe- and and especially with our our media just portrays primarily straight sex in the, in that sense but that's all they really talk about they don't talk about other components of that a lot and, and at least our mainstream media right which is where. I think it's where sex ed is really cool is that it brings in that that, that it, it talks about all kinds of sex and incorporates that and so it's not just straight sex issues that, that you're discussing you're discussing those plenty as well but you were discussing it in a much more equitable range across mm-hmm. all types of sex that you that you experience teenagers are having sex yes all, all kinds of sex they're, they're having sex that. they're thinking about sex and I think that's something that this show does really well is that not just the representation and not just the discussion of sex, but it's it's showing people and um, I hope it's showing teenagers that you can ask, like you can ask for help. And not everybody has someone in their life where it's appropriate to ask, but but it's showing them having a conversation among themselves of why do I want this thing? right how do i want it what you know all of these things and um or do i even want it do like, i want it yeah, yeah do, I, do i even like they, they that was really cool and then, sorry, i don't, don't want to give a spoiler yeah no. we won't talk about that I, yet, i'm but, not going to talk about that but do i even want to have sex yes like, and it's it's and it's bringing up the the issue of like these kids have questions and so many of them i think there, there's even a pretty prevalent part of it where they initially go to the internet right and which is, I yeah. think, what in reality happens a lot. And definitely in our generation, we we went to the internet, right? And so many, so many young people learned about sex through porn. And I think that's why there is such a huge problem with consent and understanding of consent is because we didn't learn that that was an important part of sex. Yeah, I mean, all the actors that are doing it, if it's ethical porn, have, have given their own consent, but... That's not what they show in the actual, like, in actual porn. So that's, yeah, which is, I I think, a lost opportunity there. Because let's be real, mo- the majority of teenagers will probably end up watching porn at some point. So right. maybe take advantage of that exposure. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty much the spoiler-free synopsis. And I think that's actually one of the more in-depth 
synopsis that we've been able to give without spoilers. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous if I say anything else because I'm, I'm not the most <laughs> subtle person in the world. So I'm, Neither am I, I. I'm eager to discuss this. So. so we'll give our fucks to give rating and then we'll jump in. Um, so Taylor, I'm not sure if you are aware uh, and for listeners who are not aware on Let's Get Bitchin', we have a fucks to give scale. Um, and we use this scale to rate media. For TV shows, the scale, it's a three-part scale. So zero fucks to give is this show took something away from me. I am worse off for watching this show. And honestly, it's going to bother me that I watched this show for years to come. Um, zero fucks to give is like, I could not give a fuck about this show. And I, I honestly feel kind of upset that I... I have the knowledge that this show. I'll never, I'll never get those years, those hours back in yes. my life. That's that's that what is, zero fucks to give means. Exactly. One fuck to give is in the name of our Lord and Savior Taylor Swift. Uh, it isn't love. It isn't hate. It's just indifference. <laughs> Taylor could not be rolling his eyes at me any any. Yeah, for any for, for, for listeners, this is one area of, of difference that Genesee. Didn't you know that you were named after Taylor Swift? My parents did not name me after Taylor Swift, I assure you. Did they name you after Good James Taylor? In the 90s, Taylor was like the most like popular name in the 90s. Did your parents name you after James Taylor? I, I don't know. I'm going to have to take it up with your parents because if they did, you're named after Taylor Swift, motherfucker. I'm sure it's a conversation you can have when you visit next time. I will. I'm sure it'll tickle your mother. Um... But anywho, <laughs> Taylor hates Taylor Swift. Uh, his namesake. No, I, I think I think Taylor Swift is sort of a, a one fucks to give with me. I guess that's <laughs> that's she's it's not a zero. It's more but it's more like a one where okay. I'm just indifferent. But if you force me to watch them to listen or in the depth that you would force then... you to listen to Taylor Swift, I just listen to Taylor Swift while you're around. But I listen to Taylor Swift all the time. Anyway, we'll move on from there. Sorry, I don't know. Anyway, we <laughs> I, I got, we got distracted there, but the best part is that I use that quote every time I talk about fucks to give, and uh. um, it just so happens to make him upset. Uh, three fucks to give. It, no, not three. Sorry, two fucks we were, to we give. We just made the one before we got an odd uh, Yeah. So. <laughs> so two fucks to give is um. I love the show. It's great. Highly recommend. You know, one fucks to give is not like it's like I might watch the second like another season if it comes around, but I'm not I'm not committed, right? I I'm all right with it. I might recommend it to somebody if it seems in line with their interest. It was all right. Uh two fucks to give is like I'll probably recommend this to just about anybody. I mean, obviously there are some people who aren't gonna like it, but I I would recommend it. I liked it. And if another season comes around, I'm definitely gonna be in for it. Um so that's our fucks to give scale. The sex education for me is a two fucks for sure. Oh, absolutely, for sure. That's that's no question about that on my end. That's a definite two. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like we talk about a lot of, I mean, we talk about things on here that I really love. So a lot of them are two fucks for me. <laughs> um, every once in a while, we have a one fuck. Eventually we will have a zero fuck. I will get very upset about something and we will talk about it and it'll be upsetting. Um, so that is the spoiler free portion of the show. 
we're not going to be jumping into spoilers, hot takes, um, the kind of important terms that we'll be discussing on this episode. Um, so if you do not want spoilers for sex ed, sign off now, come back when you have watched it. Uh, if you don't mind spoilers, stay on board because we're getting into it. So the first thing that we wanted to discuss is terminology and particularly we wanted to discuss the term queer um i use the term queer a lot Uh, i love the term queer but i think that it is really important and this whole podcast is from a queer lens Um, and i use that language intentionally i think that it's important that we take a minute to talk about the origins of the word and um, its importance and when it is and is not appropriate for use so and as a straight guest and that's so that that that, that makes it particularly relevant yeah we have a wild heterosexual in our presence everybody i mean there are times when i might be considering myself heteroflexible maybe that's that's a good word for it heteroflexible i mean we've discussed this i may maybe heteroflexible but i definitely i definitely use the term straight to describe myself yeah yeah and i um I think that's great. Well, we, we can get more into that if you want to, but we don't have to. So <laughs> oh, we, I'm sure we, I'm sure we will. I just, <laughs> <laughs> it is important. I think um, to talk about in general, I think that, you know, being clear about the language we use, how we use it and why we use it is important, but definitely um, having a straight guest, it is important. Taylor and I talk very frequently, obviously my sexuality um, is a very big part of my life and my identity and my politics and being my best friend he gets to hear a lot of conversations about that and um, he and I have had many conversations about what is and isn't appropriate for him to use and what's okay for him to use around me and other other queer people and whatnot um and that's just something that you know Taylor you do a really great job of coming into those conversations with an open mind and wanting to learn and I think that that is the most important thing um, is when you're coming into another person's culture and identity, being open to learn and being open to the information that they're going to give you is um, really important. And Taylor has always done a, a great job of, of doing that with me. And so Thank you. Um, the term queer is originally a slur, right? Um, it was originally a derogatory term used against Uh, LGBTQ persons. It has uh, in recent years been reclaimed by the LGBTQ community uh, as a um, it's been reclaimed as a term to to kind of show like a lot of things. I mean queer is not just about it's not just about sexual identity it's not just about gender identity it is um a very political term. It is a very personal term. I personally, um, queer is a part of my identity. So I use bisexual, pansexual, and queer interchangeably to describe how I am. Um, I do use queer as a kind of overarching term for LGBTQ identities. Not everyone does. There are plenty of LGBTQ persons who do not identify as queer because it does have a history of being a derogatory term and not everybody in the community finds it powerful to reclaim that. And that's absolutely valid. Um, I, for one, 
find it a very powerful thing to reclaim it. Um, and because of its history, it is generally not appropriate for straight cisgender people to use. Um, now, Taylor being my best friend, we've had many conversations about this. Naomi and I are both comfortable with friends of us using the term queer, as long as it's not in an inappropriate way. If people, if there was any like hint of it being negative, that would be not okay, right? So like if, if someone was like in an upset conversation and was like, oh, well, that's because you're queer, that would be fucking no. That would be a no, no. And you should just not, no one should ever just stop it. Stop. We wouldn't be friends if, if, that, if that was I know. And I'm not speaking. <laughs> in, our, in our relationship, obviously. I don't think that you would use it that way. I just mean in general for those no, of absolutely. our listeners. Because, yeah, what, what the, yeah, it's been, it's been a weaponized term. And exactly. for people from my, from my demographic, it's been, it, it, that we're the ones who weaponized it. So yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, and I think that it's a thing that, you know, oftentimes people who are not a part of those communities, who, who are not a part of, in this case, the LGBTQ community, cannot really understand the power of a term, especially when it's being reclaimed. Similar, we've heard a lot of conversations about the N-word, right? And Black people can use the N-word, and other people, all other races cannot. Um, and I think a lot of people who are not black have gotten confused about that for some reason like oh well you can use it but we can't or we aren't we just saying that the n-word is no longer a bad word that's not the case uh slurs are they're still slurs right and if they've been reclaimed then they have been reclaimed by the community that was once the target of those words um and that is up to that community. And that is the use of that needs to be in the hands of that community. It is not okay to use the N-word if you are not a black person. And it is not okay to use the words faggot or queer unless you are a, an LGBTQ person. Um, with I make some exception with the word queer because it is an important part of my identity. And I think that it is a very, um, it is a more inclusive term. Being being pansexual, I run into a lot of issues personally of people not being okay with me using the term gay, or maybe not even not being okay, but being confused, um, which I think is fair. Um, it really there are a lot of different ways that people view the term gay. Some people view gay as as only people who are or people who are only attracted to the same gender or sex, right? Um, I have viewed the term gay as more of people who are outside of the heterosexual lens, right? Um, but there is some, some contention on that in the LGBTQ community. Queer, however, is much more of an umbrella term and it is it has been designed uh, within the reclamation uh, in the community to be an umbrella term, to be inclusive of the different identities um, that are very prevalent in the queer community. And yeah, I love it. I think it's beautiful. Queer identity, I could do a whole fucking episode just on, on queer identity and maybe one day I will. But yeah, and, and I think, and you, and you, I think we talked, we, we obviously talked about this before, <laughs> but you, like, I think you discussed it would, it would be okay in this context for me to also use that term when, when, when talking about this show. Yes. In that, and, and obviously, I, I got permission from you ahead of time related yes. to that. I want to make sure that was okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that is, um, I think that is, that is a really great example to set too. If you're ever not sure if you are allowed to use a term or refer to someone in a certain way, just ask. People ask me all the time. They're like, oh, well, you know, people get so sensitive about, you know, be, being called bisexual or be, being called queer or being called a lesbian or a lesbo or whatever. I'm like, just ask and try to ask in a way that isn't rude. <laughs> and like, you don't have to ask, oh, is it all right with you if I use the, the word lesbo or a lesbi or queer? Just be like, hey, what terms are all right with you for me to use? And if, if you are specifically asking about the term queer, you can say, hey, um, I've heard you using the word queer a lot in, in terms of your identity. I'm curious if that's something that you're comfortable with other people using to describe you. That's okay to fucking ask. Just fucking ask. And uh, Taylor and I have that conver- have had that conversation. Uh, Naomi has had that conversation with us. So Naomi and I are both all right with uh, Taylor and other friends that who have asked us about it to use the term queer um, in terms of us. And in the context of us talking about sex ed and the issues that we're talking about in sex ed, I think that queer is the appropriate term. Um, and so Taylor and I have pre-identified that we will be using the term queer to be discussing the themes in this show around um, sexuality and gender expression. Um, yes. Yes. I think, that, I think that was an excellent sum up. Thank you. Of that discussion. <laughs> Thank you. So um, that's that's a, that's what we got on the term queer. Um, and if there are other terms that come up that we need to identify, we shall. Um, and if ever there are things that we talk about in the podcast that you're like, oh, Genesee said this thing but didn't define it, or Genesee's guest said this thing and didn't define it, I am on Instagram at Genesee Gabrielle. We also have a podcast Instagram at Let's Get Bitchin'. Please engage with us. Message us. Um, I'll get back to you as promptly as I can. We love to have engagement on the podcast. So let us know if you have questions um, about stuff we talk about because we talk about it so that we can, you know, raise awareness and engage with each other. This is important shit. And on that note, let's hot get takes. Into it. Hot takes, hot takes. Yes. <laughs> okay. I think that a good spot to start with is Otis's parents. Oh my then... god, yes. They are the shittiest parents. And okay, so the fucking words. Yes, they are absolutely horrible and in some ways and, and I and I and I people only disagree with me on this. I think in some ways his dad is actually the better person than his mom. And I say that in the sense because <sighs> at least he realizes that he's a shitty horrible person yeah not be raising kids that's true but like but his mom doesn't realize that and thinks that she's in the right when she violates all these she violates all these things yeah in otis's life yeah like I his think first wet dream and then she goes in and he, and he tries to hide it from her yeah. he takes the sheets put her in the bed and she actually goes into his room he specifically asked her not yes. to go into her his room he yeah. said, do not, like, this is my space. Do not come in. She goes into his room after he goes to school, goes under the bed, grabs the sheets, goes and washes them, folds them up, and then puts them on his bed as yeah. if a sort of a, I know what you did. Even though you're, you're a sex therapist and you know about boundaries. And... I kind of agree with you. I mean, I, Otis's dad is a fucking. Oh, what? Yes. Ass face. 
shit so, person. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, um, Otis or who like haven't watched yeah, the show. Let's give context here, I guess. If you yeah. Seen, let's give a little context. Give some context. Sorry, I just holding so, that in. Been holding that in this entire time. <laughs> we mentioned Otis's mom is a sex therapist. They live together in this beautiful house in England. Um, Otis's dad is also a sex therapist who has been absent from his life since he was pretty young. Um, like, like 11 or 12, but like, yeah, at, at the oldest, maybe a little younger. Probably. And he's what, 16, 17 in the show? Um, yeah. And, that, and, and he also is probably why Otis is so sexually repressed in terms of. Yes. Of yeah. Life. So we find out pretty early on in the show that um, his dad cheated on his mom while they were married with a client of his who he was yeah, which, a sex therapist for. Yeah. Oh my um, God. Transference and, to this. Yeah, it was, a tra- it was a case of transference. And and Otis saw them having sex. And then Otis, of course, saw his parents fighting about his dad's affair and um, really internalized that as sex being something very negative that splits up families and hurts people. And so we mentioned at the beginning when we were doing the spoiler-free part that he is very repressed. And that is widely because his dad it really really modeled an unhealthy version of sex and he has two parents who are sex therapists that one have no boundaries one well both of them have no boundaries both have, yeah both, I they both have no boundaries like neither of them do they in both in all of their discussions with otis in this case like his mom uh i mean it she should i mean obviously she shouldn't be hiding what her what, what she does or anything like that but having some sensitivity to understand that this is her son that maybe you know for right. someone like some separation in his own life from her life and they don't need to be completely in, 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 inter- intertwined together and mm-hmm. then his dad is, is very much that that the stereotypical masculine perspective of sexuality like he's very he is i mean he has a very stereotypical masculine traditional sense of sexuality and his role Mm-hmm. and i think and, and and thankfully otis i if there was something that was good that came from his mom was his set his understanding of consent respect and right. and uh yeah like moving away from that toxic masculinity that i think his dad represents and even tells otis during that beautiful scene towards the end uh, of this of season two mm-hmm. um acknowledges that fact with him but yeah yeah and i think it's interesting because they they're both they both reacted to this situation, to the to the affair, and to their parenting responsibilities after the affair, affair and after the dissolution of their marriage in totally opposite ways. The mm. dad moved to the United States and became a very absent father, um, and the mom stayed and became very actively involved in her in her son's life and particularly his sex life. Um, which I don't think inherently is inappropriate, but part of she's teaching him about consent, right? And I think that a very important part of that that she is totally missing is that it is important when raising kids to give them the opportunity to come to you and say, hey, uh, these are, I mean, there are certain things that you need to have the talk with your kid, even if they don't want to, you know, of like respecting potential partners' boundaries, um, condoms birth control this is how babies happen that's not an issue with otis at all in the slightest right exactly the problem that she runs into is that 
she wants him to talk about masturbation and wants him to talk about sex and wants him to talk about his dating life. Um, and when he doesn't, she goes and snoops around and does what you talked about with the wet dream. And I think like as a thinking about healthy parenting tactics, if a child tells the parent like, Oh, don't go in my room. That's suspicious. Yes. You should probably enter the room and make sure that they're not like doing drugs or harming people. There's not a dead body in the closet, stuff like that. Um, that they're not hurt harming themselves or others that they're, you know, because there could be very, very negative things that they could be hiding in their room. <laughs> you know? you went down the dead body route. That was, that was interesting. I'm just saying like, there, there's some shit that could happen and that like you should investigate just in case there's a dead body in the closet when you find that there is not a dead body in the closet and there are sheets with cum on them under the bed and your son is obviously uncomfortable about his sexuality and is hiding that under the bed and you're a sex therapist leave it there yeah like don't okay, go and wash know. them and then fold them and say it's basically basically a sort of a I know what you did and I think it's adorable that is not consent that is not a healthy way to talk to him about the struggles that he's having you know he he and I don't even think that she needed to confront him about that situation I think that's something that she is I understand that you're at a certain age and uh you might be exploring certain things about your sexuality or experiencing things about your sexuality that are confusing um i am here to talk to you about those things and if you do not feel comfortable talking to me about those things because i am your mom a woman and your mother and uh you know i have colleagues that i can refer you to as a sex therapist and i would be very happy referring you to someone that you'd be comfortable with but no she doesn't do that yeah. or, or reading else. material or point you in a certain direction about resources that would be yeah. helpful for you to kind of go to i mean like I, that's that's the thing is it's, it's not like he would be lacking resources and and he's in, in all reality he's not even necessarily he has no issues with mom being a sex therapist right his issue is how that she what is what she does with that like so for instance coming to his school yeah and, and being as an on-call and, and intentionally trying to inject her herself into his life yeah and, 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 and almost the way that kind of weaponizes like that her, her that background I don't know it's it, it's just that that's it, it's he has no issues right. and he's actually very proud of his mom I think in some ways on how on what she's doing to help create more healthy sexuality absolutely but, yeah she she doesn't do that in her own with her own son and, and- I think that if she were able to develop a healthier relationship with him in respecting his boundaries, her coming to his school and helping the students would not necessarily be a bad thing because I think that he could recognize that his school was fucked up and everybody thought that you could get chlamydia through the air and there was a chlamydia epidemic. Yeah, that's why the mom comes (laughs) to the school because everybody has chlamydia in the school because yeah. they don't under, and the, and and then the people who don't have chlamydia like people who have never kissed anybody are like wearing they face masks it. and they're like yeah, I, they think I have chlamydia and he's like have you uh, he's like well have you had any protected sex and they're like no of course not i've never even kissed anybody and he's like you can't you don't have chlamydia and they're like are you sure it's in the air <laughs> that was that was that was a good episode and yeah i mean <laughs> Just basically the takeaway, 
His mom is horrible. Oh yeah, and and sleeping yeah. and, and having sex with his with his girlfriend's dad when when yeah. he's specifically said up front, please don't. And I'll be real, like, again, we, we, I discuss my head my, my, how I I, I kind of go hetero flexible in this sense, describe myself sometimes. <laughs> Jakob was is, is oh my god is sexy as hell in my opinion. Of course, you find Jakob attractive. I think he and. I can't. Yeah, I, I think he is sexy as hell, and I could see how, in the right context or the right circumstances, I might swing in that direction. <laughs> the stars align. We like very different types of men. Although yeah, we agree on Matt Bomer, because everybody should agree on Matt. Everyone Bomer. does. Yeah, that. I mean, that he, he's he's the one who kind of made me accept that I might that that, that term might apply to me slightly. Was was Matt watching Bomer exists outside of the bounds of sexuality. Yeah. So, like I said, I, I identify as straight. And part, and part of that is, is for the is my for, again we, I think we were gonna discuss our top three favorite scenes yes in this show and one of those obviously is is uh, a good reason that's given by so Ola and Lily and li- when Lily goes to kiss Ola for the for the first time yes and and and, and first Ola freaks her out by by trying to by by, by basically saying I I want to be in a relationship with you and I care about you and and Lily is so nervous because that's not how she perceived herself like that's not the room she was going mm-hmm. but then finally she just runs down and, and then kisses her and says but you just smell so much better than a boy and and i'm like it's so true women just smell so much better than boys do and i i think on average i'm sure i'm sure matt bomer smells amazing mm-hmm. and I, I i'm sure he does so that's that's but i'd say on average yeah women just smell better than men and and there are some well-kempt men out there you know they're not all shit but they're not they're not all but i i know i just like that 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 was easily one of my top three scenes in this and game. i do love i love that um ola and lily's relationship how it develops is so sweet and I think it's such a beautiful representation of a queer relationship because also Ola is pansexual bringing us that good representation yeah I love her <laughs> I, I love mean her. with the, I I liked Ola I, I, I thought she I thought she were great as a girlfriend with, with Otis originally I mean obviously I think I, I'm much happier I think she is a better match with Lily than, than Otis, right? They're very yes, they're two very different people. And but I, I thought it would have worked. I mean, it could have worked theoretically right. in this sense. I really liked the way that we there was that one that one moment where I really disliked Ola, where she did yeah. the, the her ultimatum, where she's like, it's either her, yeah. either you dump her as a friend or you lose me as a girlfriend, and that is something that I mean that that's hard for me. Also, yeah. there is a larger conversation to have about the concept of ultimatums. Um, in, in relationships. They're terrible. And also, ultimatums, I think, ultimately come from a place of need. There is a need or a concern that is not being met in the current um, situation. Ultimatums, though, are, I think they they ultimately are a result of some sort of like power differential or um desperation that or just some unhealthy element of a relationship because what in a healthy relationship what would happen uh in let instead of an ultimatum would be i am having a problem okay so like i'm ola right um i can tell that 
Otis has feelings for his close friend Maeve. Um, he has told me previously that he had feelings for her, but now he's with me. I now know that Maeve has feelings for Otis. I think she does. And that's pretty obvious, I think, to anyone who's looking. Oh, it, 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 there's, no, there's no thinking about it. It's 100%, <laughs> 100% she has feelings for Otis. And she even stated it to Amy. Uh, yes i don't know if ola knows that mave is aware of her feelings but ola knows that they have feelings for each other but they're for whatever reason are not acknowledging it and he tried but he tried sorry that's how season and and then you had that ending on season two that made me say very nice things we're gonna have to have a whole conversation about that in a minute yes we will um but so what she could say is, hey, I'm having a lot of insecurity about your relationship with Maeve. I understand that she is really important as your friend, but it is very difficult for me to see you two together, knowing that there is something between you that makes me very uncomfortable. And um, I don't really know what to do about that. Right now, the only thing that I can think of is for you to not see her. Now, here's the thing. And I don't expect high schoolers to come up with this shit because they're high school. Yeah, I mean, that's, the, yeah. I mean, I think back in high, how I was in high school and obviously like I would not have had the emotional depth to really articulate this myself. I, I mean, like, I mean, that's, that's 100%. It would have been, yeah. So, <laughs> and I, I, in fact, I, I'd be very surprised if, to, to find any high schooler who is really capable of, necessarily articulating in, in, in those terms so I, maybe right. that's because of how yeah it's not a unique thing to I think anyone I think in general the average high schooler doesn't have the emotional depth or, or capability or skills to be I able mean, to even full ass adults our age struggle with this shit so it's not you know not it's our like, age I mean we're, we're I think every every age is not as a, mid mid 20s like is not, as, adults. not necessarily mm-hmm. the height of our of, of, of emotional maturity I would say. <laughs> Hey man, uh, I'm almost. My brain is almost fully developed. You got it. I know you're almost year. there. I think I think I hit that develop. It's 25, right? That's oh the, yeah, that's it's 25 right. for women and 26 for men. So actually, we'll hit it at the same time. Okay, yeah, that's fine. That, that, so we'll, we'll 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 both hit it on our birthday, basically this year. So that's disappointing. We'll hit, we'll hit it at the same time. <laughs> I think that's. I think actually that works really well with our relationship in terms of. <laughs> I uh, seen that at the same point in time. I think that's a beautiful thing. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but something that I really like about Ola is that, and in terms of like, we're talking about this emotional maturity and handling things in a relationship. I think that, I mean, they're fucking, they're teenagers. They're horny well, they're fucking teenagers. I mean, to finish that thread, so just like she, <laughs> she, she makes the ultimatum to Otis. Yeah. He follows through with it. He 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 drops Maeve as a friend, even though obviously that'd be very difficult for him to do. Yeah. And then right after he does that, she breaks up with him. Yes, I do think that the ultimatum thing was shitty. Although I think that it really made her realize that the the ultimatum wasn't the issue. Oh, it was not at all. But the right. fact that she made it and then broke up with him, I mean, at least have that some like have like, I don't know. I, I don't know how it could have been handled better in that sense after she made that ultimatum. I think what could have, I, I think that what could have been handled better is if, in place of the ultimatum, she just broke up with him. I Which, would, agree, I would agree with that. I, I'm thinking more past after the ultimatum. Right. Either Which, she, if she could have retracted it before he actually followed through on it, but I don't. Obviously, that that would have not made a great, like. We need that drama. 
yeah, we need some drama in there between Maeve and Otis because we know we know what's gonna happen in the end, but yeah, they got they gotta make it last. Yeah, and um, that is what I do like about Ola in is that in the end she makes the responsible decision. She she made the decision that Otis Otis should have made a lot sooner in breaking up with him because she had feelings for someone else. Um. I personally think Otis never should have gotten together with Ola because he has been in love with Maeve from the beginning and had this thought that, oh, if he starts dating this girl who wants him, then then he won't have feelings for Maeve anymore. Um, which I do think that there is something to be said in terms of making a choice for love and like choosing what is a better fit for you and choosing what's good for you. Um, but ultimately, I think that the idea that you're going to basically settle for some, which is a, a common trope in romantic shows and movies right you're going yeah, to I think, settle. I think it's a toxic a toxic one too it is I mean, and, I, and i think and that's maybe that's funny we're critiquing the show or, or all shows in general is we want to have that romanticized like feeling of western love that we get in there and i and i've i've and i've talked about this with some other people as well i mean like western love has this idea that you that there's a one fit for everybody um like there's that one there's the one right person for them when in reality like yes find that initial deep connection is important but plenty of deep connections run their course and it's more about the work you put into it to maintain that and oftentimes a lot of people when you first meet a new partner you you don't really necessarily have that deep connection even starting out that deep connection builds down the road through, through intimacy that you build absolutely which is not something that's covered in western media much at all that that kind of, that type of development is is not uh, uh what we see much in romantic uh romantic shows or media absolutely so. and i i'm a firm believer i don't think we've talked about it in the podcast before taylor and i obviously have talked about it a lot um but i'm a firm believer that we don't just have one soulmate i'm a firm believer in that we have many soulmates of many different kinds, romantic, platonic, sexual, all of the above. Um, and I would really like to see more representation of that for sure. And that is something Which that- Grays, Grays, let's do a call out for Grays along those lines. I think yeah. Grays does show that to some degree. They do with Christina. The, person, the work wife, the work <laughs> husband, obviously the, the, the at-home husband, the at-home wife. I mean, you and I describe each other as our person all the time to everybody. I mean, that's 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 the dynamic we we, we portray with everyone else. Yeah. But I think so. Grace, I mean, you want to talk about toxic relationships? Grace has plenty of those. But that is a call out for Grace. I think is a good that we we can make on that is Grace has Grace portrays the many soulmates that are in this world and yeah, I think absolutely respect where, where that portion's due. Have you watched Station 19 yet? No, I, I it's, on my, it's on my list of things to, to do. Once, you will love it. I know you I, will. I'm sure I will. I mean, I, Montgomery, I, just, I think you're going to love Montgomery. He's wonderful. Probably. I just, I, I, it's just hard for me. The trauma of Lizzie McDreamy was just so hard, which again, another one, another man who kind of made me kind of realize that I, I might fall in the realm of heteroflexible. Yeah. McDreamy. Hands down. <laughs> I mean, again, um, if, if the stars aligned, right place, right time, right circumstances, conditions. Yeah. Also, I really want to say, I really have to say, I appreciate that you use the term heteroflexible and not bicurious. 
kudos to you, friend. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think that I, I don't know where it even came from. I think I, I saw, it, I saw it somewhere on Reddit, maybe. I don't, and I, and I just, it just came across the board, like, a, on some okay. anyway. So it was. So yeah, so that's that's that on hetero flexibility. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like vicarious can be can be seen as sometimes a disrespectful term. I don't know. Um, I don't know if we can or not, but I, but I also think like I, I think that heteroflexible is a much better term to describe me and how it's. Absolutely, I I'm not there problem, yet. The problem with the term "bi curious" is that it it stems from a place of stigma against the bisexual identity that yeah. um, it is not a valid identity in and of itself. That it is, you know, it plays into the whole trope of oh, well, all, all women kiss other women in college or they all, all girls kiss their friends and that's whatever. And, and that there is something about bisexuality that is inherently about curiosity and about exploration, but it is something that you do before you settle down with the same gender. Callie versus Dakota. What? Callie, Grey's Anatomy, Callie versus, mm-hmm. and then her, her wife, Dakota. Arizona. Arizona, that's who it was. That's why I was confused. As soon as you said Cali, I got Cali, but I was like, who the fuck's Dakota? <laughs> Arizona. I was doing okay, we got there's two there's two Dakotas and one Arizona. It was it just made sense that I was gonna go with one of the two of it. <laughs> so calculated again. Okay. I know it was like in terms of odds, but I think that's <laughs> I think that's honestly uh, that, that's good that's a good a visualization of that concept so, so in some cases. Yeah, I know. I know you dealt with that though as well yourself. Yeah, uh, a lot, and I know. I know my my sister has, and um, as well, um, in, in her relationships, and so. Absolutely, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of stigma um, on bisexual people, on the bisexual identity, on the pansexual identity. Um, yeah, bullshit. Um, which is part of why I really enjoy. Ola's character because I feel like when people bring up the bisexual or pansexual identity especially with women it is portrayed in a way that is invalidating of the bisexual identity itself but in the case of Ola they showed her I mean obviously she was in a relationship which is difficult but they showed her having just such a a genuine connection with both Otis and um, Lily but at the end of the day, she there were too many problems with Otis. And while she was attracted to him and she did at one point want to make it work, she knew that she really wanted to give things a try with Lily. Um, and I think that the way that they portrayed that was really beautiful because it wasn't about it wasn't about gender for her. It wasn't about am I going to be with this man or am I going to be with, or like, am I going to be with this boy or with this girl? It was, I am attracted to these two people. And at the end of the day, I need to make a decision about what I want to pursue. And she made that decision. And when she, she takes like a quiz online to figure out her sexual identity. Uh, (laughs) And then Adam's looking over her shoulder. Yeah. Because Adam is bi. Yeah, should we talk about Adam a little bit? I feel like we should talk about Adam. I can't decide how I feel about his character. Um, Adam is a fascinating character because Adam starts out as a bully who bully who bullies the gay kid, um, Otis's Eric. best friend. Yeah, Eric. 
Eric. Who, yeah. Who we'll also talk about. Oh, I love yeah. Eric. Yeah. Both, but basically, both, both Adam and Eric have my other two top, like top three favorite scenes. So. Yeah. Okay, give me your other two favorite scenes. Give them to. Yeah, because I'll probably send at it. All right, so obviously, like one of one of my top one of my top three is the is the kiss between um, Ola and Lily when Lily just basically gives her basically says like you smell so much better than a boy, and just kind of leads into that, and it really speaks to my one reason why I am very much straight is because. Yeah, women they they really do. Um, so another one, I so I would say my all-time favorite scene of the entire series is with Eric when he is with his dad um, outside the dance. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. I mean, because so like we've discussed. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, I think in our in the, when these first started, I, this this show is so great because it allow it provides. Um, the range of experiences and, and uh, perspectives across the entire spectrum, straight and queer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives opportunities to those who can't have the related lived experience, allows them to have some em- to empathize mm-hmm. um, and maybe have some exposure that they would not have had otherwise if they didn't watch the show or know people who had got these experiences. So I mean, with Eric and experiencing when he was walking home that one day and when he was dressed in drag and he was assaulted by those men in that case. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah that, we had that several episodes where he was just dealing with the trauma of that. Yeah. That, and I mean, just discussing, just discussing, exploring those issues. But yeah, my favorite scene though, is when he finally kind of get when he's at the dance, he's dressed up again. Um, with his dad and his dad's outside the dance with him and dad just gives him a hug and says you are my brave son mm-hmm. and the waterworks hit I'm crying on my couch it was just so beautiful and so like true because there's the guts and courage shown with that scene and with kind of the lead up to that as he was trying to deal with that trauma mm-hmm. man that was beautiful so I again that was hands down, I think, my favorite scene of the entire series. My other one was a more comedic one with with Adam. It's when Adam, he's this is before he kind of accepted that he was bisexual, mm-hmm. but he's he's in his room and he's masturbating and he has the poster in his room that should and and you have on one side of the poster you have the big muscular like military guy, um, and that with with like the bare chest, and then the very busty like femme fatale on the other side of the poster. And he's just looking back and forth between the two of those figures. Um, and then at, as the scene concludes, you kind of w- look at his face and his, his eyes widen up and he kind of goes, oh. <laughs> yeah. I might yeah. be high. <laughs> <laughs> and that was after he blew Eric. Yes, it was after he blew the job. Like, it, it, just, it, it, just, it was so comedic and funny and so well done. And it was like, and it really was, I, yeah, I just, it was hilarious, but yeah, that was definitely my, in the top, uh, top three of my favorites in that. In the I show. love that. I think that, you know, part of why, um, oh, what's, what's the guy's name? Not Eric, the, the bi one. Oh, Adam. Adam, thank you. I'm terrible with names. I'm, the show is just a series of people having to remember. I know it's so many. There's so many names in there. I mean, yeah. and, uh, and some of them are so unique. That Anwar. I mean, Anwar, the the mean the mean gay yeah. kid, but who actually provides uh, 
Eric the opportunity to kind of get over that trauma that he suffered in that one episode. I mean, that was actually really, that's a beautiful scene, but yeah, Yeah, it's really funny because you have, so (laughs) you have Eric who is, who is homosexual. You have um, Anwar who's also homosexual, but he is a very, he's a very popular gay kid and he is he's out and he's like pretty flamboyant but he is like he's a bully to like mean girls everyone mean girls yeah Yeah. he is a mean girl um and it's it's just kind of funny because like you have eric who is this like really nice kind of sweet like struggling gay kid who's just trying to figure it out and is like charismatic but and fun and and just like just trying to hang out with his friends and be a kid and then you have Anwar who's over here like being a total dick to everybody regardless of sexuality which like hey I kind of love that tbh because we always get like the super heterosexual jock who's a bully but now we have this like super flamboyant gay kid yeah. who's and out here bullying ways, the other gay kids and in some ways more of a traumatic bully too because he's yeah. as opposed to i mean bullying's bullying across the board in that yeah. sense i mean and there's there's various types of, of trauma you can like i think i think i think i think anwar is more was more emotional in some senses and targeted along those lines adam was obviously more of a physical but I mean, there's obviously overlap across the board in that sense but and bullying is not cool i'm not i'm not no, trying to down bullying but i yeah. do like breaking the script where sure. gay kids are always the one who are who are getting bullied i let's like make, that they gay bully and put it in there and that'll that'll work <laughs> yeah it's it's new it's keeping it spicy <laughs> that's for sure um and then you have adam who is um at first, we we see him as as heterosexual, and he is bullying the gay kid, Eric. Um, he doesn't really touch Anwar because Anwar's like a, his own bully. <laughs> Apparently, you don't bully the other bullies. Um, but he's he really bullies Eric really hard. You see that from the very beginning, and then somewhat early on, you see that Adam figures out that he's attracted to Eric, and they're like fighting in the band room and then they're kissing and then Adam is blowing Eric and I was kind of confused I mean I was super into it I was like I think that also um this is a very queer experience that I've kind of it's it's always hard for me to explain in words on the podcast because there's just like this kind of angry energy that is a very it is a very common I guess um experience among queer people in this there's it's it's almost like an inside joke of like the angry sex which lots of people have angry sex but in the the queer community it's different and it takes many different um forms and I feel like we've we've mentioned that a few times on this podcast um but it's it's always hard for me to explain because it's like an energy it's like this energy that's like anger and passion and then like we're we're yelling at each other and we're we're upset and then before we know we're having sex i don't know and it's it's a very yeah i mean i i personally can't draw any personal experience related to that i mean i think it's a very like angry sex in the kind is a very common trope in 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 our in 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 media itself but but yeah as far as like the queer components and yeah that goes i can't draw on that so. It's very there is a very unique turn that it takes in when it is when it is seen in the queer experience. An excellent representation of that is in the book Red, White, and Royal Blue. Oh my fucking I know. god! You've been trying to get me to read that book for a while. 
you you absolutely should uh you would get through it so fast it's so good um i think that everybody should read that book because it's just a wonderful mm. book um and it's wonderful queer representation jesus fucking christ you want to talk about queer representation that book is it that book did it um but anywho uh so so adam's character i have very complex feelings about because he is a representation of um internalized homophobia big time and so he is he's bullying eric and you see that come out in him being very upset about eric being so out and proud of his sexuality because it's something inside of adam that he can't that he's grappling with and he can't really come to terms with it also his dad i mean also the dynamic with his dad and how how abusive his dad is and he's so terrified of him yeah and i think and and that's the thing i think part of that is he has difficulty with how with eric's relationship with his own dad and how eric he's out he's very open about sexuality with his family his family's very accepting of him Mm -hmm. despite being very religious i mean and that was interesting to have this went with eric and not Adam, but his uh, his boyfriend. I, I forget his name, but he comes he comes on the second season, right. and discussing like basically their his how Eric has he is religious, right. but he's also very openly openly gay. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think the Adam there are multiple times where Adam saw that that dynamic with his father and how Eric is like I'm not scared of my father at all, but you are very clearly terrified of your dad and that's before bringing into the component of him being bisexual mm-hmm. he just grew up terrified of his dad yeah. and 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 yeah and his dad is an as a major fuckwad um and let's can we, like the, the empowerment when he finally gets left by his wife and in and, and, and adam's mom how yeah. awesome of a character is she once she really like when she actually leaves her dad I know. So, so at least leaves his dad, not her dad. Yeah. I'm pretty sure her dad probably be dead. But anyway. No, that was really great. That was that was a big moment for everybody. Um, and it was kind of like fucking finally. The fuck. Yeah, for real. Like, we get to see so her and Otis's mom form a friendship, which I like a lot. I think that's fun. Yeah, I mean, I I I think in general, Otis's mom. We we talk about how terrible his parents are. I think it's more maybe it's in the context of there's terrible parents. It's not so much yeah. that they are they're just I mean, the dad is a very much terrible person. Yeah. Like in general across the board. I don't think the mom is necessarily I don't think so either. I think that she yeah. uh, has very unhealthy romantic and sexual relationships and she until is Jakob. A shitty mom. She cheated on him. He was horrible to Jakob. Jakob mm-hmm. was the first time that she was trying to that that that, that, that basic though. And I understand the complex for the background of her being yeah. cheated on herself. Yeah. I'm sure there was maybe more to that dynamic than we saw on the show. But anyway. But, yeah, but, I'm curious but, if they'll unpack that. Said, Jakob joins and I'm obviously I, I think the I think the man is, is sexy. Um, I think that, I mean I disagree with you on that, but I can see what you see. I just don't personally find that's not my thing. But I, I know. He has like a hippie lumberjack sort of thing going on. He's very masculine. Well, then you you were Daniel Lumberjack though when we first like met each other, right? I was eighteen. I made some very poor decisions that year. <laughs> he was fine. He was actually a pretty good guy, but yeah, no, that is not my vibe. 
in the slightest anymore. I think no. <laughs> well, as I said, it's it's not necessarily my vibe either, obviously. It's a very selective vibe that sometimes <laughs> comes out where it's like, kind of like, you know, I see how that man's attractive and I right. I, I'm I understand this. Um I think that's fair. I think that Jakob as a character I feel conflicted about because whenever we saw him like when we saw more about him I was like you're rude he's very rude with <laughs> are you referring to the Monopoly scene uh, I was not specifically referring to that that is an example I was thinking more about how he carries himself in their house Oh, yeah, I guess I can see that. He just came in like he owned the fucking place. I, but I think in some ways, that was actually kind of a necessary component of, in terms of relationship with the, with the, with his mother. With, with Otis's mother. I don't know. Sure. Maybe. I, maybe that's part of why he he appealed to her so much and or why it works so well. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. I it, it, it was obviously an interesting matchup. I mean, obviously... That was a very interesting matchup between Jakob and Otis's mom. And yeah, um, I don't think that it was a very compatible match. But that's I don't just know. I, 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 I can I can see it. I can see how it works, and I guess and I think why it works for her. Right. Um, because you because because think about think about what we're shown as her usual sexual partners. They're people who she can very easily just like have sex with and forget, and then right. Or whatever. I and do he, like. He obviously, he's a very not a forgettable character, and he and he doesn't really allow her. He's he's respectful to her, and right. in the sense of like, there's no, there's like no. It's it's all consensual, but it's it's more. He doesn't really let her forget him in that sense. He's not yeah. a very forgettable individual. I really he, liked the concept of like she was at first treating him like any other hookup, and he was like, no. I'm gonna I'm leave. Okay with that. If if, yeah. if you don't if you don't want to be with me in in, in long term, then we're not then we, then we are done, and yeah. that's okay. And you don't have to stay with me. Right. I'm not gonna stay with you. I know what my boundaries are. Yes. Which is a very I powerful liked that line. a lot. That was a very powerful line that he knows what his boundaries are. Yes. And he will not cross them or allow her to violate them. Absolutely, and I think that was really great. I'm gonna give my three favorite scenes. Yes, please. I want to hear your th- your top three. And then I think it'll be about time to wrap up. I suppose so. Okay, so the the scene in the band room is almost one of my favorite scenes. It's not, but it's close. I did enjoy that a lot. Um, I really enjoyed also the part where he, the moment that he had with, that Eric has with his dad at the school dance. But I think I liked it for somewhat different reasons. I thought that it was obviously the moment where they embrace is a very powerful moment um, because Eric didn't, and we didn't really know how his dad felt about his sexuality. It seemed like his dad didn't really like it. And in this moment, you see his dad really validate that and validate yeah. him. It's more about fear for his safety and not, yeah. and, and, and if they're Nigerian, if, if they were infants from, from Africa, yeah, there's a reason for that. There's a reason why there is that fear there. Absolutely. Um, so. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about with representation is that they do a really beautiful job of, of showing Eric's experience as a second generation, um, you know, immigrant from, to the UK. Yeah. And 
um, showing that his parents are very scared and they, and being bold and being out and being loud about who they are is not something that they were comfortable with and used to, because they were just trying to fit in and make a life for themselves. And Eric is like, well, yes, you did that. And I appreciate that. And you made way for me to be me. And I'm going to be loud about that. And I'm going to be me. And, um, and this is of course, after Eric was assaulted assaulted, um, for, for appearing very flamboyant. And um, it was very rough. And, you know, like you said, he went through quite a few episodes where he just didn't know who he was. And he was teased by the gay kid because he started wearing less attention drawing clothes which of course at his school drew attention because everyone was used to him dressing yeah. very flamboyantly like an orange highlighter i think was, was one time he was described <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and he rocks it like that's his look that worked oh, for him it, it worked really well i mean he, it looked kind of, I, I think it worked actually. understandably yeah. he became very self-conscious um, yeah. and very scared about drawing attention to himself after being assaulted for that and, and he lashed out he actually he hit yeah. anwar yeah and, and, and that was then and, and anwar though even though anwar was worried about that anwar actually afterwards said he he, he basically was kind of he, he gave he forgave eric and said you can i know why you hit me and i know where this came from yeah so i don't hold this against you yeah. for, for this and that was very powerful but and after that moment, after he and Anwar have that moment, he kind of comes to churn with like, okay, this washed down version of myself isn't me and mm-hmm. it isn't going to work for me. And I need to really just be who I am and be comfortable with that and um, figure that out. And so he comes back to school from being suspended for punching at Anwar um, in this beautiful... Um, outfit that is i think more traditionally feminine for um the culture that his parents came from i don't remember exactly what country his parents were from did they yeah, i don't remember if it was nigeria or something else. I, I, it, it was it was an african country and obviously Af- the african continent in, as a whole yeah. is, is a da- very dangerous it's very dangerous for people in the queer umbrella right um but so he came he came wearing a traditional outfit from his his um culture and traditionally female outfit and he wore makeup his eyeshadow looked fantastic the bonding moment between him and lily over over the makeup yes yeah so cute and so that whole thing for me not just with the dad but he has a bit of a talk with adam as well and at because he i think it's after he hugs his dad he's like walking up to the school and adam tries to get in his face and be a dick and He's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, Adam? You're going to punch me? Then punch me. Beat me up. If you're going to do it, just do it. Stop talking about it. And Adam just stares at him and doesn't do anything. He's like, all right, then I'm going in. (laughs) And it was really, it was so representative of him claiming himself. He and Otis had been in a fight. Um, So he and Otis that night. He and Otis danced together. Yes. Otis, by the way, is a wonderful uh ally and friend i really do appreciate his character for that overall i think he is one of the least interesting characters in the show (laughs) which isn't his fault um but i think that's also what makes the show so great is that the main character is the main character and he's obviously ties them together his purpose is sort of tie everyone together and bring all the storylines 
mm-hmm. along there. I mean, yeah. And I mean, he talks, I mean, he basically talks to everyone either about a, a traumatic sexual experience they had. Right. Um, they're a hilarious sexual experience they had. That's hilarious for us. Obviously not for them. They're, <laughs> they're freaked out by it, but it's, uh, I mean, like, yeah, the, like, like, for instance, the, the girl that uh, threw up on her, on her boyfriend's dick. Oh my God. Yeah. And giving her, uh, giving him head. I mean, that was, yeah, that, yeah. So like, obviously traumatic for her. Hilarious yeah. for us. <laughs> yeah. And so that was a big one. I think that was a really big part, not just for his character, but his, for his, sh- for the, for the show, like for so many, so many loose ends that were happening with the characters in that show that was really tied up at the um when eric returned at the dance and that was just really powerful i also really loved um amy i i think her character is so fun she's definitely more of a of a sideline character right i i and and she gets better as you go on oh absolutely absolutely um she is the most fun and so there's a point when she has this new boyfriend and they're having sex and (laughs) he's like she's obviously um brought on a very performative style of sex she has sex to please her male partners right and watches a lot of porn watches a lot of porn and um when she's having sex it's very clear that she's just saying what she thinks the guy is going to enjoy and she has obviously just dated douchebags um and so she it's a very like unhealthy narrative of sex that she is portraying in her her own sex life and so she's having sex with this new guy and he's like what are you doing he's like don't don't do that what do you want what do you want me to do what do you want to say like just do what you want to do and tell me what you want to do and she is so confused so she goes to otis for help and she's like he says his thing is giving me what i want what does that even mean (laughs) And I love that. I think that's so fucking relatable. Yeah, that, um, was, that, that was definitely a funny scene. And then, and then when she like spent just like spend yes like, half, half a day like trying to figure out what she likes. Yeah, and that is one of my favorite favorite scenes. Is her spending like all night masturbating, and at first she's like scared and confused, and then she's like getting into it, and you show her like moving around her room and getting her hair blow dryer and like all this just wild shit. And then the next day she shows up to school to Otis to pay him. And she's like her hair is all kind of wild and she has this like relieved happy look on her face. And you're just like, yes girl, I'm so happy for you. She's like, I know exactly what I want. (laughs) And it's just beautiful. I love her character. I think she's a lot of fun and I loved that moment for her and that representation of female sexuality and really reclaiming uh, what you want, right? Um, and I think in heterosexual sex, that is something that is often missing. Agreed, agreed. And, 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 I, and I appreciate that she that with her boyfriend and how, and how he kind of showed how you should, if you, if you are, if you're, if, you're, if you're a man in a sexual relationship with, with a woman, that's how you should be approaching it as well and along those lines of... Right. Obviously, I appreciate when I get you, you're trying to satisfy me as well, but what do you like? And please be open with me on that. Because if you don't tell me what, what you do like, then yeah, I don't really have much to go on in that case. And that's something that in queer sex, it happens very naturally because there's not as much of a, 
of an expectation of what queer sex is supposed to be because for heterosex it's often seen as penetration right and we have a lot of representation in media and porn of what straight sex is supposed to look like and um oftentimes that's unhealthy and i think that's where that narrative of like pleasing the man comes from but um in queer sex we don't have that we don't have a lot of representation and we don't have a playbook and there's so much room for exploration so you really have to communicate and be like hey what is sex to you what do you want to do what is how does this feel do, what if you do this what if i move here and that's a very natural part of it which i also think that this show shows yeah. very well this shows like extremely well i mean it, that, that's it, it i think it, it gives as much as much time as it does related to straight sex and straight relationships it gives just as much time to people under the queer umbrella in terms in, in queer sex. I mean, and we, we even have that, that scene with Anwar and his boyfriend. Um, I believe yeah. it's Daniel and Anwar is so confused and he's been staring. And it's not like he doesn't want to have anal sex with his boyfriend. He just doesn't know how to do it and how to make sure that everything's clean down there. So he goes to Eric's boyfriend and asks him. Yeah. And Eric's boyfriend is like, why are you talking with me about this? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm happy to tell you what you need, but shouldn't you be talking to your partner about, yeah. about what's going on there and but but and but just but you had to even had that discussion and they go into this and they just they, they talk about asexuality yeah. um as well like it's not even it, it, it's it's every it, there's a kind of a, a, a role or a place in this show i think for everybody which absolutely it's so nice though the critique i have is that it, i definitely think it needs more gender representation that's um, i would agree, and i would agree with you on that one I yeah mean, outside we, have, of the we haven't really had a truly trans character no we have not had a yet. trans character we have not had a gender queer character yeah. uh we've not like non-binary there are so many different things that they could do and um for a show that a big part of it is like self-expression and understanding gender understanding sexuality understanding identity i think that that's a gaping hole you know especially because they do they do it everything that they've been doing they're doing it so well and they have so much fantastic representation that the fact that they don't have talk of genders outside of the binary it's kind of like well where are they <laughs> yeah that's true and i think and i may maybe part of it is that they're trying to do everything very thoughtfully and and approach them okay. I get, I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if in, if in season three that will be coming out in an unforeseen date, and I hope it's soon, but it isn't there yet, that they do have that the exploration of that component as well. Um, I, I, I just, and so maybe that's the intent down the road. They just haven't, they're, they're being thoughtful about all the various perspectives as they're trying to go through that and do it. But they want to do it well. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's part of it. I think that's, that's where other shows, when they try and, do what sex is doing i think fail yeah is that they don't they don't do it thoughtfully and try and show the experience necessarily in the same way i think i think glee sometimes had an issue with that like we're talking about a, a mainstream right. show glee yeah. at times did, i mean they were give them props for this too they were probably one of the first shows to really aggressively try and bring out and show mm -hmm. so many different inclusive perspectives right but sometimes it felt less like they were doing it to be inclusive and more like they were just trying to check the absolutely uh, and not absolutely. do it well and so they undermine themselves in that in that attempt yeah so that might be part of it as well but i i agree with you i think it's definitely missing that component yeah. and i would love to see that in there because it would really add to yeah it this this show what, what the show is so good at and what makes it so special 
I would too. Absolutely. Um, and then the third scene that is probably my favorite is um, Amy at one point is sexually assaulted on the bus and um, yes. a stranger comes on her in the bus and so she's having a really hard time processing that and coming to terms with that and so there is a, a something happens where one of the teachers is so is bullied like someone goes around the school writing stuff in red lipstick like saying that that teacher is a slut and yeah Miss, she Miss, thinks, Mrs. San, Miss Sands telling me about like teacher yeah anyway. something like that and she also thinks, a cool character she is fun I like her a lot I really love her relationship with the the biology sex ed teacher yes that's a beautiful relationship it's really cute yeah um but she thinks that it's these girls who were in the bathroom that did the lipstick right and so she puts them in detention and tells them to find something that they all have in common and like create a, a presentation about about what unites women right and they're having a really hard time they spend like hours in detention trying to figure out like they're like oh we have nothing in common we're too different and they have lots of different girls right they have amy and um orla and Maeve. Uh, Maeve, Maeve and uh, yeah lily all all sorts of the popular girls I think are in there too and um and some of them really hate each other some of them are like in, actively in fights well, well that's what that's what the teacher was joking she, she was laughing because she actually has sex with her with her boyfriend like, while they're doing it and she's like it's gonna take forever don't worry about it it's gonna it's, it's gonna take forever. They'll be, we'll, we'll be fine yeah. <laughs> she basically gives it to them because she knows that these girls can't get along and that yeah. they're very divided and she's she's trying to teach them a lesson about like not turning against other women right turns out they weren't even the ones who wrote in the lipstick <laughs> and they tried telling her yes. that but she of course thought that they were just lying because they're teenagers um and so and so they're sitting there trying to figure this out and amy is having flashbacks of being assaulted on the bus and finally she speaks she i think she just starts crying or something and Maeve goes to comfort her because Maeve knows what happened and um, all the other girls are like what's going on and so she tells them and then each of them share a time when they had either been assaulted or um, like treated poorly by a guy and then had some sort of unwanted ex un yes. un non-consensual experience or yes. unwanted experience with basically a penis yeah or cat calling yeah. um, unwanted attention unwanted touching stuff like that and um this is what i this is what i texted you and said men are sick and i hate them like I, like i think this is when i actually texted you about this after i saw this this like scene and i was just like they're going through it and yeah and i thought that it was such a powerful scene because i think for males it's an opportunity to see in a very very plain light the impact that misogyny and male privilege has on women mm. and for for females watching it was an opportunity to see some representation in things that we experience and to see some unity in that. Um, 
And then you have after that the next day she she talks about how she's been walking to school like an out walking an hour to school each day because she's afraid to take the bus. In heels. The next day, yeah, in heels. Girl, wear some fucking tennis shoes. It's high school. Nobody. And you have a bag, like like carry like a bag or something. Um. And so the next day, she shows up. She's walking past the bus stop to walk to school. And all of those girls are at the bus stop to take the bus with her. And I thought that that was just really beautiful. Um, I thought that was a really beautiful scene. I love yeah, that. That was a beautiful one. And yeah, that's absolutely one of my favorites. Yeah, that was that was an excellent scene. And I, yeah, and I was glad they showed that. But obviously, I was I I I, I was ranting with you for a while about yeah. how how pissed off I was the fact that my my demographic makes has made so many uh people feel that way and many of them are unapologetic about it too so but anyway just sum it up excellent show fantastic i loved it uh i can't wait for season three thanks to covid it'll probably be a while Mm -hmm. and it of course ended on that horror on that like terrible cliffhanger with i remember yeah yeah so her neighbor we'll talk about this real fast this is what we'll end with her fucking neighbor uh who has a crush on her um was with her phone uh when otis calls at the end of season two to tell her that he was wrong to have to have chosen her over ola or chosen ola over her and um to choose being with ola over their friendship and that he's been that he's in love with her and he's been in love with her from the beginning and it's always been her it's very sweet and it's like well finally Otis get your shit together and um he leaves her this message and she is not with her phone her phone is with her neighbor and her neighbor listens to the message and deletes it he's a fucking dickwad yeah that's, that's, that. how, that's how season two ends. That's how season two ends. And you know, we know it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen to the two of them. They will. This, this, but it's just so annoying to watch the lead up, especially now at this point. I mean, at this yes. point, it's it's been two seasons. Everybody, so that's, long. They haven't even so kissed, right? They haven't even kissed. I'm not sure. I don't recall if they have or not. They come close. They they came close in the in the pool at one time when Otis got it got direct. Oh my god! Yeah, he got a boner, and I was like. This may have had to have known. May have had to have known. Like, there was no way that she didn't know that he was in love with her. And she was being a little cruel, I feel yeah. like. I, I, she was also being a dumbass. So, yeah. what are you going to do? But, yeah. So, that's that. Um, I love it because Otis is very much the main character. And Maeve is his, like, opposite love interest that we know they're going to end up together at some point um and she's also one of the main characters but like they're probably the two main like male and female leads yeah and then all and then the storylines kind of radiate around them yes and, and their connections and for sure but and, but, they, but neither neither Maeve nor Otis dominate the show which I, right is which I think is great and that's part of what makes the show so strong is you have such dy- dynamic additional characters I mean they're yeah. very they're all very complete um, but I think it's funny because we talked about the main characters the least, which is which fine. Is kind of the point. I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of the point. Yeah. 
And I think that it's it's so special when a show can make space for so many characters and so many stories. And this show does it so well. Yeah. Otis is the main character, but he is not the most important part of the show at all. And I think that's how it should be. Yeah. Um, and that he makes a lot of room for other other people to grow in his life. And yeah, within the show. I mean, he, he he's, I think in some way, he's a much better therapist than his mom is. And yeah. So, I really hope it, he becomes a therapist. I hope yeah, he, he, sh- he should. I mean, considering like the, the talent that he has, mm-hmm. um, even if how he's doing right now is is to quote his mom slightly unethical, but <laughs> uh, I mean, it just shows how how much lack of resources there are, though. So absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's what we got today for you folks. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Thank you, Taylor, so much for coming on. Um, Thanks for having um, me. Finally, chatting with you. Yeah. Um, and this has been good. We've both been so busy with things, so this is good to get to take some time to chat about things. Um, I hope y'all enjoyed our episode. I hope you enjoyed us shit talking shit because this is just this is just what we do. You got a little peek behind the curtain of our friendship, so I hope that was fun for y'all. And uh, as always, thank you so much for listening to our uh, five viewers out there. We love you so much. (laughs) And I hope you have a wonderful week. Happy Monday, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Have a good one. Bye. See ya.